Hello, and welcome back to EML Radio. I think it is about time that small business owners have a platform and an opportunity to tell their side of the story. You know, I have just been sickened and saddened by how we have turned this pandemic into a polarizing social and political issue. And so I step back and ask myself, what can I do to help bring some unity? And what I came up with was allowing small business owners to come on this show and tell their story. We have to bring humanity back together. And the way we're approaching things right now is we are dehumanizing one another in order to prove ourselves right. So I'm very excited about this series, and I encourage all of you. It doesn't matter that you're a small business owner or not. Actually, if you're not a small business owner, you will probably learn more from these episodes than those who own businesses. So I encourage you to tune in to these episodes and hear the real-life stories of how this pandemic has affected everyday people who have poured their heart and soul, all of their financial resources into building a business, creating jobs, and providing services in our local communities for all of you out there. I hope you enjoy it. It's Evie here. Welcome to EML Radio, where we are always talking truth. All of those things you need to hear that nobody else is willing to say. Thank you for having me. My name is Trey Baring. I'm owner-operator of Texan Site Services, located out of San Antonio, Texas. Kind of some history, graduated Texas A&M University in 2003. Started off in corporate sales for about 10 years in various food and fiber industries. And kind of when that was, I was figuring out that maybe, you know, the corporate air arena wasn't where we needed to be. We started this company when the oil field really kicked off down here in South Texas in the Eagle Fort Shell. And so that ebb and flow pushed us into more of a general construction and production building arena where that's the majority of our business right now, along with some events in the portable restroom industry. And that started in 2014. And we started with about 100 units and we're bumping 2,000 units now. So it was a pretty big jump in a short period of time and then growing the team. You know how that goes. That's been finding great people and putting that team together has been really helpful and on a steady growth pattern. So that's been good there. So we're mainly in portable sanitation, porta potties, holding tanks, and especially now hand wash stations and hand sanitizer stations. Got it. That's been a huge business for us growth wise lately. The biggest problem with that was trying to find the inventory. Most of our suppliers, they would sell around 8,000 units a year mm-hmm. in a portable sink that, you know, has a, a foot pump and your soap and paper towels on it. Got it. They sold 8,000 in less than 15 days a piece. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're selling gear inventories in less than a month's time and can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So we've had an order, a truckload order in the queue since March and some are out till July and my other supplier is out till January. Wow. So that's just on the product. And then you're going into antibacterial soaps and antibacterial foaming, you know, any kind of sanitizer. 
that's 30 days out. And they are trying to supply, most of our suppliers also do food safety, nursing homes, medical facilities. So those, of course, right now are having uh, precedence over our industry. So we're getting, you know, say you order 75 cases, you're getting 10 cases. Wow. So you know, we're trying to push through that there and try to get those stockpiled because our events are starting to pick back up, even though it may not be spectator oriented. Right. There's still people involved. So these items still have to be implemented just for sanitation purposes and safety and things like that and due to mandates by the city and state. So just trying to find those pieces and really put that together has been a really strain. Let me ask you, let me kind of expand on that. I didn't have that like really listed, but I want now that you brought it up, I want you to kind of elaborate on that because I think, you know, a lot of why I'm putting this whole series together is to educate the general public the people that are kind of sitting at home watching the news, they're uninformed or they don't own businesses, right? So I'm trying to give like people like you a voice to say like, these are the things that we're up against. And I experienced it like with my recent cookbook. It was like, that was hugely delayed because of sourcing. So can you elaborate on that a little bit just for your everyday listener that like what that backlog in sourcing looks like? Because most people don't even understand that whole process. Okay, so usually... These type of items, we would order on a Monday and get it on a Wednesday okay. without fail. And now with this backlog and everybody bulk buying necessary or not, that's everyone's opinion. Yeah. You know, we're getting pushed back, even though we've been longtime customers four and five years. Mm-hmm. So the frustrating part is orders every single week with our particular suppliers And then say a nursing home comes in where they cannot get their product from so-and-so ABC company and they jump over to our supplier, they're higher ups. The mindset is, well, we need to push it over there. And then we get left holding the bag. So now we're trying to implement, for instance, on these sanitizer stations, you've seen them on the wall type thing. Yeah. The refills sometimes can be refilled and sometimes the bag is just is a complete uh, sealed shut situation where you can't do that. So right. we're trying to find new ways to get bulk hand sanitizer, which is still delayed, you know, another two, three weeks when it would be here in four or five days and figure out how to refill these in the field. And that takes us another four or five minutes per job and then add strain on your employees and things like that. So yeah. that's where our frustration comes into in all aspects of like portable sanitation. Everything was blown out. Right. I mean, the COVID deal has brought more attention to what we've been trying to change culture-wise in mm-hmm. sanitation and keeping things clean, but also it's put a huge strain because they're trying to push out so much product because everyone's both buying so fast. Right. When if they would just order, you know, at regular paces, it would still have the same product and same timeline. Right. And it wouldn't blow the suppliers out of the water. And that's across the board. I mean, we've seen that with all the people, with our lumber guys, with all our supplier, you know, or trades in the construction industry, those things were shut down so long. So now some of those jobs are being delayed and they're having to put in clauses in the contracts where we, and we also are like used to, I would be on a 12 month pricing cycle. Mm -hmm. And now I'm having to revamp and put in verbiage. Hey, look, there could be up to a 25% increase before year end, just because of the suppliers not guaranteeing product and not guaranteeing price. And suppliers, for instance, our toilet paper manufacturers, mm-hmm. they would used to have, you know, say they had 10 line items SKUs, and with all this going on, they went to one line item, Jeez. which wasn't similar to what we were using. 
but increase the price by $8 a unit. And when you're talking, you know, we talk pennies and cents on, on these services. Mm-hmm. And when you change $8 to a case on oh, Jesus. 50 cases every time you go somewhere, you know, you've got to really, really put those numbers together and then trying to relay that to our customer when they're so tight budgeted anyway right. from six months ago. That's where the really hard talks come together. And some are very understanding and some are like, well, no, you know, they're razzled as it is. So they're going to try to chase down other, you know, maybe another company that maybe had a backstock or something and they were able to work for six months at a cheaper price, even though it's a lesser service. Well, and I think that's an, if we extrapolate that all the way out to the end consumer, right? I think that there's a lot of just like lack of education on the consumer's part. Like, I mean, let's just face it. A lot of everyday people don't know much about how the economy works. So then right. they're almost at this shock. Like for one, if you can't find toilet paper, right, that's the subject yeah. in and of itself. But what the cost of goods is going to do in the next, you know, 12 to even 36 months, right? Like this isn't something that we're just going to kind of kind of spring back out of. Sure. And I think it's really important to have these kind of discussions so that consumers, like that's my audience, they're just people that are out there going like, well, why is hamburger so much more than it was, you know, before this whole deal? But it's important for them to understand that because when this kind of backlog happens in sourcing, they end up ultimately paying the price. And that's important for people to be able to set aside some of the emotional decision making that's going on right now and have to base some things on actual facts and the consequences that we're all facing. Sure, I'm with you. And I think, you know, everybody has a matter of opinion. And, and those plants, I think, can get back up and running mm-hmm. and be able to kind of keep up with some of this demand, especially on our side of the table. But they'll use this kind of as a margin increase in some situations when it may not be necessary. So we really have to kind of keep our suppliers in check. Like, you know, and we've actually changed over a paper supplier because they've been able to offer a light product the same price that we were getting beforehand, but the suppliers that our previous vendor was using, they just were able to use the other one. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. And if they would have been able to kind of do a little research instead of just jump off the deep end, I know. hey, we can only do this, we can only do that, you know, it might have been able to save them some business because we've swapped over three months now with another supplier week in and week out. Uh, And my salesman, you know, he's kind of hogtied. He says, man, I'm trying to do what I can. But it's from the higher ups and those guys don't touch the customer and don't have these conversations with right. the customer and try to educate and be proactive. My salesman gets the bet, you know, the raw end of the deal and he's got to call the customer with minimal information and touch. You know, there's four or five transactions that have to go into effect before he can get a true answer. And that's frustrating as well. Oh, yeah. So we've really tried to be proactive from our end have those conversations with the customers ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as this started with, hey, look, everything's going to be fine. We're operating as usual. We've made a few minor changes, but this is what we think should happen yep. and kind of protocol moving forward. And most have been okay with that. And that's just because we reacted quickly and in a positive manner. Got it. You know, it was kind of easy for us to do that because we were, you know, quote unquote, essential workers. Right. But, you know, it's kind of everybody kept that mindset. I think it would be, a whole lot better because we've had positive and negative conversations with everyone in the industry. And it just took a little more, a few minutes on the phone and everybody was a little more at ease Mm -hmm. and kind of explained that. And then we also had, you know, we were using kind of, we were all different in different positions, 
you know, whether it be portable sanitation, whether it be the home builder, whether it be the general contractor, but we could find some common ground. And, you know, they took some of that away and started using it in a positive fashion. And then we did the same. So it was, we've had great conversations about it and uh, just try to keep it on a local level, really honed in and and stay focused in an energetic fashion and to keep everything moving forward. So let me ask you, if you had to narrow it down within your business, the biggest impact that COVID has had or this whole entire economic shutdown has had, could you like Uh put whatever is at the top of your list, the biggest impact? Well, we've got two. Of course, we've had a positive impact in regards to culture change on our job sites and construction locations. Okay. We tried to preach a better sanitation process Mm -hmm. from when we started. And a lot of this is budget oriented. So they cannot, you know, they're always looking at that budget, not adding units when there's more people on the job site and things. So that's kind of opened some eyes up there and added these sinks and sanitizers. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that's been an influx of business for us there. But on the other side of that coin, our supplier line has changed dramatically price wise, quantity wise. Just because of this bulk purchasing, you know, that we don't know necessarily should have happened. (laughs) Because, for instance, we talked about toilet paper. Every single grocery store was out of toilet paper. Every week I got an order of 50 to 75 cases without fail. So the production was there. I told my supplier, hey, look, man, if there's ever any question that you're going to have a shortage, you need to call me Mm -hmm. and just send 100 cases immediately. Right. I never got the phone call. Really? So, you know, it was, I don't know if it was pushed, you know, of course, a lot of it was media based, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we were able to get product without a problem. The only thing we have an issue with is soap and sanitizer. Got it. So that's still affecting us in purchasing Mm -hmm. and watching that price. We could get a box of six units of sanitizer for, call it $28. It's almost $56 right now. Jesus. Wow. So try to explain that. And then you're going to try to put a line item on an invoice and quote unquote COVID cost. Right. <laughs> no, it's not yeah, going to work. It's not going to work. Right. And we've even picked up some new customers on that where competitors would try to put that in there on the lowdown, pay $200 because of a COVID fee. Well, most of the materials that they're using in that particular job site didn't change. Oh. But they're using it, you know, to gain some ground <laughs> and it's upsetting people. Yeah. And rightfully so. It's hurting some of the customers that don't really pay attention to those bills, mm-hmm. but then also hurting us where we've got 12-month contracts in place and, oh. you know, we're having to eat that cost. Yeah. So a lot of people have been understanding and we've been able to create some extra POs through their management. But man, if we couldn't have done that, we'd have been negative on those supplies that we needed that were essential for four or five months now. Wow. So we're really trying to keep an eye on that and then use various suppliers And that just hurts. We buy local as much as we can because we're locally owned and operated. So we try to support the local companies as much as we can. But when their strings are attached to their suppliers, we have to go outside of that, which I hate doing. But you also have to watch your budget. Uh, Yeah, you don't have a choice at that point. So, you know, the cycle continues. We try to support the local business. The local businesses are getting hurt by this pandemic. Mm -hmm. But we have no choice but to go back around to outside suppliers to make sure we work right. So it's oh. a tough, tough cycle that we've got to try to navigate, yeah, but we're doing our best. 
and making sure we try to help as many local people as we can do that. We've had a lot of local churches and schools and things like that, that we've stayed right on price point before this happened to make sure all those people are taken care of, you know, just to do our part in that and, and be of service and to help as many people as we can. That leads me to a really good question I have for you. And this is kind of shifting gears a bit away from business, but I like to go on more of the personal side and ask every one of my guests to explain kind of like their why. Like, why did you get into this business from a personal side? Not all the financial side of it, but like what drives you on a daily basis to get up and keep doing the grind? Well, of course, my family's huge. We've got, I mean, I see a legacy in this business. Mm-hmm. It's not the most prestigious business in the world, hey, like, <laughs> but everyone needs one. Mm-hmm. You know, you always hear that, hey, get into a business that someone always needs. Oh, yeah. It's genius. You know, portable sanitation, any kind of waste industry, you know, is going to be forever. Right. So it's easy to kind of stay in that lane. Mm-hmm. And then we've been in construction my whole life. My family owned a commercial cabinet business for 45 years. Oh. So being in that, using facilities, seeing what we can do to change that culture mm-hmm. is really made an impact and with me and my team. And, you know, of course, all that flows down through their families and things. So it's really promoting the family culture here, changing the culture of this business, and then just making it a better environment for the guys out there, you know, blood, sweat and tears, paycheck to paycheck. At least they have some good facilities on the ground mm-hmm. where it's just not, you know, it's an easier place to work, I guess you can call it. So yeah. just trying to help everybody from the lowest guy on the totem pole to the highest guy, you know, to the owner has been really important for us. And we try to push that and communicate that to our customers. And that's why we've grown over 600% in less than three years. Wow. Good for you. That's amazing. And we need more people like you, right? People that are looking out for the little guy, people that want to be able to have more community in a family-like setting instead of just mass corporations. Right? People have to remember sure. that. Right? Yeah, exactly. And help your local people. You know, you that's it. what we really try to strive to do because we've had a lot of help locally mm-hmm. and that's helped us expand throughout the state. So that was a huge springboard for us using our local contacts and a lot of these people have offices in different regions. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to easily expand into those districts and divisions with pretty much, you know, minimal effort. Got it. So, you know, just... Starting that step one, helping the local guy and making sure you're of service to him is paid off tenfold. Love it. Okay. So my final question for you is as a business owner or just as a human being, if you could share with our listeners one final truth that you want them to take away. It's funny you mentioned that. We had this weekly meetings on Monday and with all this going on, we've really had to shift gears in the way we communicate with our team and our customers. Mm-hmm. And we really shifted this to, you know, positive mindset to make sure you're of service to your customers and your employees and your families and their families and just be on the helpful end for everyone that you're involved with. You know, once they see that you're really trying to help and really trying to make their lives and situations better, the transition is just huge. And the light at the end of the tunnel seems a lot brighter once you start having those conversations more often. Yep. And it's really changed our team and our culture as a company. And it's kind of filtering out to our customers. And we've kind of seen some changes in our customers and things that, you know, they've kind of taken some of that back to their team. Mm -hmm. So it's really been fun to watch that. So uh, I would say that, you know, just kind of keep the helpful and service mindset and just get up, put your feet on the ground and do it every day. Love it. 
Well, on that, you just nailed two really important things that we had been missing, right? Is communication, right? right? Communication and then be willing to sit down and realize that there's real people and real faces and real family members behind all of us, right? And to bring sure. that humanity back to problem solving. And I think across the board, what I've seen is like from people like having discussions with people like you is that in struggle, we are forced to unite, right? Sure. And when we do that, the people that do unite during the struggle are the people that overcome and make it through it. You're right. And just, you got to remember there's so much high frequency noise. Yeah. And it's a lot of stuff that, you know, you have to be able to filter through that mm-hmm. and help your people and family filter through that yeah. and realize, hey, if we stick to this, everything will work out just fine. Love We've got to just filter that noise out and make sure we stay focused and, you know, just keep on chugging along. Got it. Awesome. Well, I so appreciate you giving us your time today. I loved hearing more about your business. There was a lot of stuff that you told me about today that I didn't know before. So greatly appreciate it. Sure. All right. You take care. You bet. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Trey. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye.